Year after year, one of the most consistent items on my do something list is to have fun with fashion. Exploring my personal style has added more joy to my everyday life and helped me feel more like myself on the regular. However, I have found that there are some brands I would love to explore more, but they are out of my typical price range. Or there's the it item that I would love to try out, but without the commitment of keeping it. Enter Armoire. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, you can build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for more new to you styles. I just did my quiz and have selected a few dresses for the summer from Bowdoin, one of my favorite brands that I can't typically afford. And I also got a double-breasted black blazer from a new-to-me designer, a classic item that I have been on the hunt for but too scared to commit to until I know it's the one. For you expecting mamas, for those who are working or those who are style-obsessed, who want to switch out your wardrobe with quality pieces without the designer prices, check out this woman-owned company that has your style and your sustainability in mind. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash progress. That's armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash progress to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to About Progress, a podcast devoted to ordinary people who are striving to make realistic improvements in their lives and reach their goals, however big or small. We are building a community of men and women who love to push themselves to overcome obstacles and make something special of their lives, all while maintaining a healthy balance. In short, people who know life is about progress, not perfection. Welcome to today's show. I am so glad you are here. We are narrowing into 46,000 downloads, if you can believe it. That is all due to you guys. Thank you for listening in, for sharing the podcast, and for subscribing and leaving reviews on iTunes. I did that about a month ago myself. I went through all my own favorite podcasts and in about five minutes left some quick reviews. So please go ahead and do that. It takes less time than you might think. If you are new, I hope you stick around and you can see prior podcasts on my website, www.aboutprogress.com. Today, I am sharing an interview with Ann Cropper. She is everyone's best friend and loves to really connect with people. This is because she learned the transformative power of connection as she battled several hard and stressful times, including bouts with both antepartum and postpartum depression. Anne talks a lot about these times, but also shares how she functions. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I'm sure people either love it or hate it, right? But yeah. um, I have just kind of found that that's a really good way for me to keep writing and reflecting mm-hmm. without always having the time to really write a nice long blog narrative. And um, I think what I'm probably known for is that I'm pretty honest and open about real mm-hmm. life. Um, having five young children is really intense. We're a family circus, and I share a lot about that. I think I'm able to keep it positive. You know, I think yeah. some people, when they share a ton, sometimes it can be really negative or complaining, and I try to be really positive, and I share a lot of what's beautiful and great, 
but I also share a lot of what's hard and difficult and ugly. And so mm-hmm. I think people have come to know me for that, that I will kind of say it like it is. And I really try hard to relate to other people or reach out and make sure people know that they're not alone in what they're going through as a woman and as a mother. So I think that's probably kind of what I'm known for. Mm-hmm. And I know, so you are a very good writer. We know that. You are Thank also you. a teacher. Thank you. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I taught second grade, so my degree is in education, elementary, and I taught second grade for only about two years, actually, and then our first son, Blaine, was born, and I was kind of actually really sad to leave teaching school. Mm -hmm. I, for like, for like a year after, I could drive by any elementary school and I'd start crying. Oh, really? um, (laughs) Yeah, I really missed it, um, and I even considered going back. But it was at the time such a low paying job for me that mm-hmm. I couldn't even justify it. I couldn't, there was no way I could even justify paying for childcare. I yeah. wouldn't make a dime. Yeah, so I, I really enjoyed that. But um, at the same time, once I kind of got past the first few years of doing the stay at home mom thing, I really like completely just jumped into that. And so now I look back and think, gosh, I always plan on being going back into the classroom when my kids are at a certain age. And at this point, I, it's just a big, giant question mark. I have mm-hmm. no idea if that's still what I want to do. And we'll just see, you know, many years from now um, if that's actually what I end up doing. Well, I mean, because you have so many different things you can still do if it's not even teaching. Right. You also are, yeah. I would call you a stylist and an interior designer. But oh, thank you. I Gosh, love little feel so snippets. Hip. Well, no, but you, you deserve it. <laughs> I I love seeing little snippets of your home and and you've you've also done um styling haven't you for for I've several done a things bit. like so yeah I mean I really love styling yes I'm kind of an events person I love throwing events I love styling for events I love all of that um I haven't made like some amazing career out of it or anything just again because I'm so focused on home and family right now but mm-hmm. when I have opportunities to do it I I really find a lot of like creative energy in that kind of thing so um so yeah that's been really really fun for me and I do I like home design a lot I kind of like dream of being a Joanna Gaines type person yes. and I don't and that's like I mean, super far-fetched because I would have so much to learn. And who knows if I could ever do anything like that. But I think it'd be really, really fun to do work like that. I can see doing that for sure. I really, really can. It seems like you are a Jane of all trades. You know, you you have so many different things that you like to um, outlets for this creative energy that you talked about. Has that always been a part of your life, that creative energy and also that that Um, push to explore those? Yeah, you know... I think I'm totally a Jane of all trades, master of none. And that is like across the board, like, and always has been since I was a kid, like love to sing, not an amazing soloist, love to play the piano, pretty terrible. Love to play the guitar. Again, not that great. You know, like so many things I've done in my life, like played, played volleyball. I was second string, you know, like everything I've ever done, I think. And that's part of the problem is when you have tons and tons of interest, you don't get those like 10,000 hours to become a master of anything. Um, And I think generally, by and large, I think that has brought me a ton of joy in my life. There have been times where I've thought, gosh, I wish I was just like incredibly excellent at one thing, but it's okay. I've totally learned that like, if you want to dabble in a lot of things, you generally can become good at a lot of things, but not great, you know, and that's, Mm -hmm. and that's kind of me. I think um, the the creativity is a really interesting thing for me because um, when I was a young child, I was really interested in art. And then I kind of went through that typical elementary experience where like my art was never hung on the top of the wall in the elementary school classroom. And so I just kind of thought, well, like I'm not good at art. And I did not take any art classes in secondary education because I was terrified of getting a B. So I like didn't take painting, didn't take drawing, which is so kind of telling of the kind of student that I was, right? I was like so driven to get straight A's. Mm -hmm. But um, it wasn't until a college art class, it was like art education because it was part Mm -hmm. of the whole elementary ed training program. And it was not until that art education class where I was learning a lot more about art theory and how to teach art. That was the first time. So I'm like, what, 21 years old. And for the first time in my life, I thought, oh, I am actually maybe a relatively creative person. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of sad that it took so long for me to believe in myself in any sort of creative realm. 
Mm-hmm. But um, And I, I think I also started seeing creativity and art in a much more broad sense. You know, like you people think if they can't draw or paint, they're not artistic, which is a total farce, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many different, you know, the, the different mediums that you can get into where, where creativity is. It's just, it's endless. So I think I started thinking about it differently and um, I really have loved writing ever since high school and the kind of the personal narrative stuff was, has been really natural for me because I've always Mm -hmm. been a big journaler. And um, yeah, so I think um, for me, it's all this give and take balance when you have a job or a a lot of kids or whatever, but um, I try to always make room for something creative in my life because it really energizes what I do every day if that makes sense like it helps me just kind of maintain a level of energy and enthusiasm for life where like let's be honest being a stay-at-home mom can get really mundane you know Mm -hmm. it can be really um it's like groundhog day if you don't have something like that oh my gosh 100 (laughs) percent, absolutely yeah Yeah. (laughs) that's what makes life interesting and adds to the joy I think and being able to have a season of our lives so Mm -hmm. yeah I totally agree yeah now you have been really open about sharing some of the struggles you faced as you transitioned to raising those five children and I like how you talk about how that wasn't um I don't know just like maybe not the smoothest transition at first with your oldest is that what you were saying absolutely what was that like yeah um so I grew up again with four siblings. Mm -hmm. I always wanted to have a family. I kind of imagined myself having a somewhat large family because it was what was familiar to me. You know, I thought I'd have four or five kids. Um, And yet when I became a mom, it was completely unnatural. And that's so ironic because I had been a school teacher and I was good with kids. I mean, I I, like, this is going to sound really arrogant, but I was a good teacher and I like really, really um, bonded with my students. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of shocking to be honest. It was shocking to me how, um, like how unnatural of a mother I was. Like when I had this brand new baby, I guess part of it is that being the youngest child, I had never had a baby sibling. So Mm -hmm. that might be a little bit part of it. Like I'd never really had a newborn in my life, but um, I felt totally like clumsy and clueless and in over my head. And it took longer for me to bond with my baby than I was anticipating, Mm -hmm. like almost a year Mm till I really felt like, I love this so much. This is the greatest thing ever. I mean, I loved my baby. Don't get me wrong, but it was like, just not, I don't know. I think you, you get pregnant and you have these, like, you just think like, oh yeah. And then I'm going to breastfeed and that's just natural. So that should be easy. And then I'll, I'll just love my baby because everyone loves their baby. And it was not like that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, um, and there was a lot of, um, embarrassment and shame that came with that, Mm -hmm. that I didn't, tell people because I thought surely like something's wrong with me. I'm a monster. I'm not like super in love with my baby. Um, so, and there was like, there was some post, some postpartum depression that I didn't even recognize for a long time as Mm -hmm. that. And it took me a good conversation with a friend where she was like, Oh, I felt that way before. I felt that way before. And I was like, Oh good. I'm like not the only monster of a mother ever. Yeah. Yeah. So that was definitely like, it was really eye opening. Like I just wasn't the mom who like, took to it supernaturally and was like, Oh, this is so great. I hope my baby never grows up. I was like really struggling for Mm -hmm. the better part of that first year. So I have been pretty open about that just because if there's anyone ever feeling like that, I want them to know that she is not alone. Mm -hmm. I want her to know like it is like nothing is wrong with you. That's okay. Like sometimes you have to work harder to feel that love and, that might sound crazy to some people who feel it really naturally, but it's the reality for many mothers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was that way for me. I mean, we we've, we've had this little joke since you and I became friends online. I'm like, I, she really is going to think mm-hmm. I'm a stalker because I feel like we're the exact same person. <laughs> you know, minus I love it. You I love when kids. you can find such kindred friends online. Yeah, I just feel like everything you said already. But like, yep, 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 yep. But even just this. <laughs> the transition to motherhood, it was the same for me, you know, just, it's hard to go from something you are so good at, you know, being a teacher and like you said, connecting with, yeah. with, with kids and 
and and suddenly it being a whole different ball game, a whole new a whole new level of difficulty you didn't expect. But I'm glad that you're open about that. I think that makes a big difference in helping lift the shame about it because what you were doing before was blaming yourself, you know, saying you're like a monster. Oh, completely. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And I don't know, being open like that, it just strips the the power from that. <laughs> I think it just helps you normalize yeah, it. Yeah, I think that's true. So you've all, you've yeah, done that thanks. with, um, you talked about, you know, having maybe some postpartum depression with your first. You've also been open yes. about anti, is, how do you say it, antipartum? Um, yeah, antipartum. Antipartum mm-hmm. So depression. prenatal, basically. Yeah, mm-hmm. prenatal depression. You know, I didn't realize that was like, you know, quote unquote, something until I read that your your article on it. And when I read it, I'm sure you had a lot of responses similar to mine. I was like, oh, my goodness, that was me. Like with my last kid, I just didn't know. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that's what I was going through. So can you talk about what that was like for you when and how this antepartum depression came into play for you? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I had had some postpartum after my first and after my third. So I was familiar with how that felt. Mm-hmm. I'd had some, a little bit of anxiety during my pregnancy with my third. I knew how that felt, yeah. but this was now about two years ago mm-hmm. in my pregnancy with number five, my baby George. Yeah. Um, hit, that This was a surprise pregnancy. I had four small children. It was definitely like, I mean, I was set up to have a, you know, a kind of a rough pregnancy just mm-hmm. with everything going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it kind of started as your normal pregnancy. I was, you know, getting physically sick in that first trimester and all of that. And then um, what I kind of think brought the depression on is that my whole family over Christmas, we got insanely sick. We got like legit mm. influenza. We were wow. in bed over Christmas break for like 10 days with fevers. I mean, Whoa. it was horrendous. So we were just obviously felt horrible. And then we missed all of the holiday excitement, which just is crummy. The whole world is Instagramming about every fun adventure that they're on and you're just like burning up in bed. So (laughs) I think um, that kind of is what like sent me down into this tailspin really quickly, if that makes sense, Um, was just my physical health being so poor. Mm -hmm. And then like having to climb out of that, like when your whole family's sick for two weeks, I mean, you can imagine what my house looks like. I mean, you can just, I mean, you can imagine it was just like horrendous. So um, I feel like that's actually kind of where it began. And um, it just kind of started to get worse and worse and worse. And this went on for months. And I was uh, like kind of an unrecognizable form of myself. Mm -hmm. Like um, I, oh my gosh, I mean, there are so many aspects to this. I could not face my life. Like I could barely get up in the morning and and I don't just mean like I was tired and pregnant and my body hurt. I mean, I could not come up with any reason worth getting out of bed. Like yeah. I was so dark. Um, I could barely just like get my kids dressed and send them out the door. I like, I couldn't, I had no ambition. I was completely apathetic. And like, that's scary to someone who is a very driven, ambitious person, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, I felt really unexcited about my pregnancy, which made me feel incredibly guilty. Mm -hmm. Um, I, um, I've never, ever, ever struggled so bad with confidence. I completely felt like the most worthless human being. I could not talk to people. I ignored text messages. I wouldn't answer my phone. I became kind of a recluse. Mm. Um, I would like let my little girl, um, well, my little boy and little girl who weren't in school that were kind of home with me, I would let them watch like hours and hours and hours of stuff on TV. And I would be like streaming Netflix. And like that is just like not something I ever, ever, ever would have done before. Like just Mm. like completely ignore my children for hours in the middle of the day. Like, I mean, I was just like completely like almost incoherent. Um, I, I totally like anytime anyone reached out to do something social, I didn't go. I, um, I like when I was in social settings, I could not look people in the eye. Mm -hmm. Like when they were trying to talk to me, I had a really hard time making eye contact. I, it was just like, a to- like I said, like a totally different version of me. Yeah. Um, I was really, really short with my family, like short with my husband, short with my kids, couldn't make dinner, couldn't like basically like very, very low functioning. Mm. Um, and it was scary. Yeah, like I, scary. when you feel that out of yourself, you just like, 
I mean, I was never suicidal to the point of like, I'm making a plan to commit suicide. But I was like, I was dark enough. I was in a dark enough place where I was like, saying things like, you guys would be better off without me. Mm -hmm. Like I would say to my husband, you should just come home and take care of the kids. And like, you guys would all be better off without me, Mm -hmm. which is kind of a scary thing to say. Um, And I can just remember one day, like kind of crumbling my way up the stairs and sitting kind of on the landing of our stairs and just like sobbing, 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 like out of control. And it just kind of came to my mind. I got on my phone and I just put in the Google bar prenatal depression hmm. because like you just said I didn't know it was a thing wow. yeah. and all these articles start popping up about prenatal depression and most of them wow. refer to it as antepartum depression and mm-hmm. I was like this is me this is mm-hmm. what's going on and I don't know why it's not spoken about more commonly yeah. I think in the last couple of decades doctors and there are so many people do a really good job talking about postpartum depression yeah But people don't know as much about antepartum. And so, you know, here you and I are two grown women who have children and who have college degrees and are like, go to doctors and we're well-educated and we have never heard of this. Mm. So um, it was really eye-opening for me and and really helpful for me to realize because, you know, when people are pregnant and like they're glowing and extra happy, when you're Mm -hmm. the complete opposite of that, you're like, okay, once again, I kind of feel like a monster. Yeah. And you feel a lot of, you feel a lot of guilt. Yes, absolutely. Um, And so for me to recognize like, okay, here's what's going on was huge for me. And um, so, yeah, again, that's one of the reasons I have talked about this a lot on my blog and on Instagram is that I, I just feel like it's so important that if someone's going through this, she needs to know what it is and be able to recognize it and get the help that she needs because it can be really daunting and scary. Yeah. So for you, you said you were a semblance of your former self or not even, you know, you can totally, even. yeah. So totally. there's a lot of, I'm trying to think of some ways for people to recognize it. You know, there's that, like, you're not yourself at all, a vacancy, a, like mm-hmm. either you feel too much or you feel too little is a, is a good sign. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And there would be times when I could rally like moments mm-hmm. or days or sometimes when I could rally. But um, there were a lot of times where I could, like, literally just wear my face on my sleeve. Like, I just couldn't even pretend, you know, which is, yeah, which was kind of telling for me that I couldn't Mm -hmm. even pull it together in certain, like, social settings and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And it seemed like, you know, things that used to bring you a lot of joy were not. And and just the rejection of of others, too, really is striking, striking me when you were talking about that. It seems like that was a big part of it for you was, was pushing people away or not allowing them to totally yeah I think that is kind of a, a, a recluse yeah um I don't know because if people could pull me out I can think of one or two friends who I would respond to and when I would be with them I could feel um a I could feel like uh like a reaching of my former self pulling me you know Mm -hmm. what I mean like I I could laugh I could smile I could feel a little familiar feeling of who I was Mm -hmm. um with a few different people um and I I don't know why those people were able to pull me out I think I think when I when I kind of consider these particular friends I think it's because they knew me so well and Mm -hmm. loved me so completely for who I was and did not I didn't have to pretend around them I didn't have to apologize yeah. I could just be myself. I could tell them what was going on and I didn't have to worry about any judgment or questioning or not understanding. Hmm. For you, was, were people aware? Were your, were your loved ones and family members aware that this, this was something you were struggling with or did you largely um, fight this on your own for a while? Um, I think for a, for a while I fought it on my own because I didn't even really recognize what was going on, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And then as I became, as I became more self-aware and uh, an understanding of, and kind of being able to identify, recognize what this was, then, yeah, I mean, I feel like um, my husband was able to understand it a little bit better and and the people that I'm the closest to were able to kind of understand. um, And Mm -hmm. some were, obviously some were better, um, better able to empathize than others, depending on what they've gone through in their lives. Mm -hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think once I um, kind of recognized that I was able to let some people in, mm-hmm. 
Yeah. That was something that did that did that help lead to you getting back to more of yourself? I think so, just because the more the more you spend time with people and are able to communicate with them what's what you're feeling and what's happening, um, the more logic and reason come back into your life. So when when I was depressed, like you kind of come like a head case and you have all these like super crazy thoughts going on in your head, like mm-hmm. those like everyone would be better be be better off without me kind of thoughts. Yeah. Um and I feel like the more I was able to open my mouth and talk to people that I trusted, mm-hmm. the more I could make sense of what I was thinking and feeling and the more they could draw things out of me. And so yeah, I think I think engaging more with people helped me a lot actually to hmm. to kind of heal and and uh, make sense of things mm-hmm. and bring logic back in. Yeah. Hmm. That's really powerful to think about that. Wow. That power of connection. How, how long oh, was it until you started to feel like the veil was lifting? Um, I would say that the depression was really intense for about three to three and a half, maybe yeah, probably three, three and a half months. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I could just, I, I couldn't put my finger on like some magical thing that began to lift it, but it just did. Yeah. I think those um, relationships and being able to talk with people was a huge part of it. I think, um, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm trying to think of like, it just kind of began to lift. It just mm-hmm. did. I think I, I was more aware. I was, you know, I, I felt like, um, and I almost hesitate to say this because a lot of people who deal with any kind of depression, like it's totally beyond anything like this, but I feel like spirituality was really helpful for me. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of prayer and, and kind of, um, just like seeking, help and power and strength beyond my own from God mm-hmm. was really healing for me. Um, the only reason I hesitate to say that is because I know for some people, like the reality is they're sicker than that and mm-hmm. they need medication or they need therapy. And so I don't, I don't take that lightly and think that, Oh, if you're depressed, just pray. Everything will go away. It's not yeah, like that, you know, but it, but it is extremely helpful. It's, ex- it's extremely efficacious and, and I think should be a part of the healing process if you're a faithful person. Um, and, and for me, that was, that was really helpful. I, I can remember a few different scriptural things that I would stumble upon and think, okay, like here in this story in the Bible, God strengthened this person far beyond his own strength and and he can do the same for me. He can bring me out of this, even though I can't see a way out. Um, And so there were some really powerful moments there. And I think just little by little, drop by drop, um, yeah, that darkness kind of finally began to dissipate and I I came back into a a better place. I don't think I actually felt completely like myself, honestly, until almost a full year postpartum. Mm -hmm. So I feel like some of some of the haze carried with me through the pregnancy and beyond. But generally that like super, super dark non-functioning was about three months. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. That, I think that's really good for people to, to see both that it can just take so long and, but it can also just be so gradual that, you know, you just right. have to be patient, <laughs> which is hard to do. Yeah. And, it is. It can be. And I think, you know, I've never been medicated for it. I think that for a lot of people that feels like the right answer and maybe it would have helped me get better faster. I don't know. Um, but I'm just thankful that I was able to get through it. With, yeah. You know, a few various things. Yeah. So what I love about you having gone through this experience is your willingness to share about it. I think one of the best things about you, like we talked about you, you are real and you share that good and the bad. And I think you are a very um, introspective person, but also you look outward too, outward and above. You're looking for answers. You're looking for insight. You're looking for ways to improve. So you're always, you know, forward seeking is I guess what the word is. So 
Yeah, I think that. Thank you. Yeah, you do that so well. But I love that you sharing what you've gone through as you you taking the power back, you know, and you're also enabling others to take power from that too, about how they can also move forward and look upward and, you know, things will get better. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, thank you. I, yeah, it's. I think I have always been a really introspective person, sometimes almost to a fault. You know, I'm kind of like that classic overthinker. Mm-hmm. But um, I do, I do feel like yeah, I'm always trying to figure out ways to be better. And I, yeah, it's for me, it's just so important for people to know that they are not alone. And so sometimes I'll publish some post. And I'll think, oh, my gosh, was that a total overshare? Are people going to think I'm weird for saying that online? Mm-hmm. Are people going to think I'm fishing fishing for sympathy? You know, I mean, I can remember a time or two where I'd post something when I had had a really dark day, and I would kind of share that. Yeah. And I'd think, oh, great, now I'm going to get 25 comments of, like, you can do it, sister. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, that's not necessarily why I shared it, you know. Yeah. Um, but I, I've, I've had to just be willing to, like – be brave and push post um, knowing that like, yeah, some people might assume that I'm doing that for attention or for sympathy or whatever. And for me, it's almost always about helping other people know, like we're in this, we're in the trenches together. So like if Mm -hmm. you had a rotten day, I did too. And like solidarity sister. Oh, that's, that's, that's so cool to hear about that. And I I think that um, why people are, attracted to you is that you are not trying to aggrandize your own life you're you are trying to be real and empower at the same time so so it's unique you know it's something that we can actually connect with instead of maybe being jealous of (laughs) or feeling really (laughs) guilt ridden every time we look at your page or you know so yeah it's a it's such a tricky balance isn't it it? like thank you that I appreciate what you said and it's it's so funny because I like I am sometimes afraid of posting something that is really pretty or something that I accomplished because yeah, I, I know well the feeling of like having not the greatest day and scrolling through my Instagram feed. And it seems like every mother I know is like training for a marathon and baked a triple layer chocolate cake and did some like amazing thing with her kid today. And you're like, well, I am a loser. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We've all been there. um, Yeah. And, and yet, I just think it's okay to post the beautiful things. I think mm-hmm. that um, if if we can, as viewers on social media, if I can scroll through my feed from a healthy emotional place, then someone's, you know, beautiful accomplishment, I should be able to see and be inspired by or say, good for them. That's so fantastic. And I think that when there's like the feelings of comparison or jealousy, usually it means that like I, the viewer, am not in a negative place. And so um, I, I think it's important to, to feel like okay about sharing positive things. And, and you know, again, I, you, you do, you have to be careful about not being self-aggrandizing or, or come across as, um, I don't know, kind of posting something out of vanity maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the end, I think people should post whatever they want to post. And if we yeah. don't like it, then we get to just click on follow, right? Well, I like how, the, how you turn that, that around. I mean, a lot of the responsibility does lie in us as viewers and checking what we really want out of our social media experience. But, right, you know, just examining our own heart as we are looking at people who are trying to be good intentioned and 
I don't know. That's really great how you turn that around too. So we've talked about your, your blog already and your Instagram account. I want to talk about the business you have started with your spouse. So can yeah. you, can you tell us some more about what you two have created together recently? Yeah, I would love to. So, um, we moved back to Oregon almost nine years ago to work for the company that was actually founded by my father-in-law, which is called Bioskin. And when he, yeah. So when he began Bioskin, it was uh, all medical products like back braces, ankle braces, foot, you know, foot ankle products, things like that. Um, And it's to this day, a very, very thriving worldwide company that does a lot of sales um, to, you know, pro sports teams and all, you know, just all sorts of people around the world, which has been really, really fun. Um, it's, it's cool to listen to my father-in-law and mother-in-law speak about the experience of starting that business and not being able to pay the bills at first. And now to look at where they are, you're like, man, way to go. Yeah. That's really, amazing. It's, it's a really neat thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, um, they kind of specialize in making these products with, um, this fabric that they call bioskin, um, it's like a non-neoprene type fabric. And so it's, it's like a patented fabric that's really special. It's more breathable and things like that. And so um, that's kind of what they have become known for is this like really like medical grade compressive fabric that's really, really great to work with. So um, my husband has been working with that family company for years and he's been doing the marketing. And then in the last year or so, he has been um, working on kind of an ex expansion of bioskin like kind of a whole new you know arm if you will Mm -hmm. um which is called bioskin fit and it's athletic apparel specializing um so far in these compression running tights Mm -hmm. so instead of like the medical grade compression now it's like um comfortable compression and it's it's running wear um or you know any type of active wear really so it's been really fun for me to watch um i've been participating it's it's definitely like more my husband's thing. Um, but it's really fun to watch him because he's an incredibly creative person. He's incredibly bright and it's been neat to watch him really come alive with this project. I think it's been the project he's enjoyed most ever, um, in his professional career. So that's been really neat. And, um, he's, you know, he's worked with a designer and they've worked together collaborating on these designs. We launched the first running tights um, last June. So it's been about six, seven months Mm -hmm. and, um, we're just, you know, growing from there. We have a new spring line that should be out in a few months that is a lot larger. So we'll have, yeah. So we'll, you know, we'll now have like more like eight styles, which is fun. So it's tights for tights for women, capris for women, shorts and tights for men. Um, so it's been really fun. We've been working with a lot of athletes, runners, these like really amazing endurance athletes that are running, you know, the, they're like the ultra marathoner people. A lot of them are ambassadors are, and they're just incredible. They'll sometimes organize things and go run with them. And it's kind of just surreal to even pretend to keep up with any of them for a half a mile, Yeah, but it's it's really inspiring and fun. Yeah. It's super intimidating, but they're all just the loveliest people. So, yeah. So it's a really fun project. Sometimes it's really scary because it's like this whole new thing and it's a new product and we feel great about the product. We have people raving about the product, but trying to sell the product is a whole other animal, mm-hmm. you know, and it's really, really scary and hard, um, but also fun, exciting and rewarding. So yeah, I've been kind of helping out on the marketing side because of my background in blogging yes. and social media. So I, I ran the Instagram for a while um, I have been working quite a bit with um, bloggers and other influencers and Instagrammers to kind of help um, work with them on campaigns to, to grow the company. So, um, yeah, it's this kind of exciting, somewhat terrifying, interesting adventure we're having. And I know that you've also gone to races for for selling your yeah. products too, right? So you've traveled quite a bit for it. Yeah, so it's been really fun. Um we kind of discovered we have um, one of our employees that works for us is this um, darling girl, Madison, who's 25. And so, yeah, so I started traveling. Um, Madison and I started traveling together to all these race expos to sell the tights. So we, you know, do like the Portland Marathon, for example, things like that. Yeah. So it's really fun. Um, I at first was a little bit intimidated, but once I just start talking to people, I find that it's actually really natural and comfortable and fun for me. Yeah. So, yeah, we're just out there like meeting people and talking to them and 
telling them why BioSkin Fit is different and special and what's so amazing about this Italian fabric that we have that's compressive and buttery soft. And it it's, it's really fun to watch people try them on and love how they look in them and love how they feel. And so I've really enjoyed that. And then what we do is like my husband totally comes and stays home as a full-time stay-at-home dad when mm-hmm. I do this traveling. So it's been this really cool Freaky Friday kind of full life swap where for the first time I'm realizing, you know, he's always traveled for work and I'll be jealous because he's like eating dinner out and staying in a hotel. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, I've got five kids and I'm having mac and cheese and doing bedtime by myself. And I'm like, oh, you lucky dog. And then I do the traveling and I realize this is super exhausting. You know, I just drove 12 hours down to LA and I would rather Mm -hmm. be home with my kids. And, and so it's been really good for me to appreciate what he does. And then of course, you know, it's been great for him to appreciate what I do when he's like, Oh my gosh, the baby's tearing up the house and the kids Mm -hmm. don't get to stop fighting. And so it's been really cool. I feel like it's helped us grow in our relationship because we have appreciated each other more than ever. Mm -hmm. And, um, and just have this like completely new level of empathy. Yeah. That's so beautiful. I think a lot of what you guys are doing right now, you're, you're taking big risks, but you're doing them. I don't know. It seems like it's benefiting you and your lives and, you know, even your career way more than it would have otherwise, if you hadn't been brave enough to just try to just go for it. I think it's true. And, you know, we hope that it just grows and grows and grows and, and we'll see what happens. I think, um, like you said, it's so much about just courage. I, lately, I just really cling to stories of people who do something outside their comfort zone, something that's hard, and they kind of are reaching for the stars. And I just think if you don't ever take a risk or try something hard or aim for something, you know, it's just way higher than you've ever tried. You just don't know. And you can't, like you said, you can't grow. Um, so yeah, I, you know, I, I kind of cling to those stories right now and, Mm -hmm. and find a lot of inspiration and, and hope in them. Yeah. So I'm going to include in the show notes where they can look for your blog, of course, and your Instagram account, but also these compression leggings and the compression products as well. Um, that would be great for them to be able to explore those. And I'm great. excited about your spring line. I have one of your pants. Like, you know, I've, I like asked yeah, you. Yeah. How, how are they? I they love work, them. Are they working well for you? Oh, yeah. Good. I love them. So I, I love that they're not like so thick. So like you said, they're buttery. I do too. And yeah, I love, I love yeah. them. So that's a free plug for you. So I just can't imagine the stress you must be under. Not only have you been launching this whole arm to a company, switching jobs with your husband, you know, traveling a lot. And you've also, you've had to, you've had to move recently and try to put two houses up for sale and things have fallen through. You've had some difficulties come up with your children, you know, and, and just even this, even if none of that was there, there's just a whole stress behind being a mother to five young children and very different children you know each one having their own needs and yeah oh so much so (laughs) everyone's probably like how do you do it Anne? how do you do it but I I'm sure your answer is gonna be I don't (laughs) so I want to know more about how do you not do it what do you decide to let go of in order to have sanity and joy and happiness within the craziness that's a great question and I think Man, you look at people and you think, oh, how does she do it? And, or how does she do it all? And the answer is nobody is doing it all. Mm-hmm. If you think they are, it is a big farce. You know, yeah. it's like totally not real. So, yeah, the first thing I usually tell people is, number one, I don't do it all. And number two, I have a ton of help in what I do. So, um, for example, I am so lucky. I live around the corner from my mom. So I live close to my in-laws. I live close to one, two, three, four sisters-in-law. Love I mean, it's kind of unbelievable the amount of family support that I have. Mm-hmm. So I have a ton of help from everything from like, oh, I'll watch your kids while you go to the store or, oh, hey, can, you know, can I have a couple, can the cousins come over for a couple of hours? I mean, I have a ton of support in that way. So That's I'm not like great. dragging all five kids to all my errands or anything like that on a, sometimes I am, but almost never, you know, I just have a ton of help, um, which is great. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, I have learned 
to let a lot of things go. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a kid who like absolutely will not wear socks. He won't comb his hair. He will not wear like normal pants. He'll only wear sweats. And I used to just freak out about all that kind of thing and be so worried about how it would reflect on me, which mm-hmm. just kind of shows you how self-centered my thinking was for a while. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. have just learned you just let go of that stuff. Mm-hmm. You just let it go. And so I've let go of a lot of things. Um, one thing I haven't been able to let go of entirely is the state of my home because, I yeah. mean, I trust me, it gets totally disgusting in here real fast. <laughs> yeah. But I can't be a very patient mom if my house is a bomb. Mm-hmm. And so um, I do work tirelessly to tidy and I have cleaning people. I have people that come in twice a month and they are like angels. I come home. They have cleaned my entire house top to bottom, like deep cleaned. Everything is in its place. And I like sometimes actually shed actual tears because it's so oh, beautiful. I love that. <laughs> and, and you know what? Like I drive the crappiest, most disgusting, literally stinky minivan. <laughs> I like totally am willing to make sacrifices because for mm-hmm. me, it is so valuable to have that help mm-hmm. um, because I just feel like I can't get the tidying and the deep cleaning accomplished. So there are things that I'm just like, if this matters to you and you cannot figure it out, just outsource it. Make whatever sacrifice you need to outsource it because it is like the most joyful thing. (laughs) All women are going to be like applauding listening to this. (laughs) Yes, thank you. I just, yeah, I mean, I think like for a lot of people, it's like this sense of, pride of like, well, I can do that myself, but which I think I totally get. But for me, it has just been a huge, huge, um, it's just something that I really highly value. I really highly value. And I have really felt like in this super intense period of my life, Mm -hmm. I cannot get it done by myself. So yeah, yeah, I I don't do it all. I have a ton of help. I really, really believe in paying for childcare when, when you need to, like, Mm -hmm. Even though I do have a lot of family support, I sometimes worry about over, like, asking sure. too much of my family. And so I have been known to pay a cute 12-year-old to watch a couple kids while I write. I have been known That's to great. pay a friend to watch my baby and I'll go for a run. Mm-hmm. I have um, I have one friend who always volunteers just for free, obviously, to, to come yeah. and watch my kids while I go for a quick run. I just, I I do not, I am not afraid of asking for help. Um because I just have learned, like, this is all way, way too much for me, honestly. Yeah. Like, it's it's just a lot. And so mm-hmm. I think um, asking for help has been huge. Yeah. And even if you don't have family around, like you were just saying, friends. Yes. I mean, that's I use my friends as, like, my family here. And, you know, we yeah, just trade exactly. all the time. And it's yes. so great to yep. know that you always owe someone and someone always owes you. Yeah. It just works out. So yep, it's the best. Kid swapping is the best. Yeah. It really is. Um, when you're talking about that, I want to know more about what other things you do to add to your life. So I'm glad you're telling us about the things that you let go of. Now I want to hear about some things that you do add to your life to create balance and joy and progress all in the same, you know, same time. Okay. Yeah. So, um, it kind of, I go in different phases, you know, sometimes I really try to write once a week. Um, I was doing that more like a year ago and and blogging a lot more. And I really love writing. I feel like writing Mm -hmm. helps me be really self-reflective, obviously helps me record family history, you know, kind of Mm -hmm. what's going on in our family life. Um, But I, yeah, I often find that um, after I have written an essay, I'll look back and I will, I will understand myself better or I will understand mm-hmm. a child better. I will, um, yeah. I will have like this better lens through which I can see something going on in our family life. So I, I really, really value time to write. And that's something I'm, I'm kind of looking to add back in this year. Like you mentioned before, we've gone through this really crazy, like three month period where we, we moved suddenly for the needs mm-hmm. of my children and we are trying to sell some homes and I've been traveling with work. So it's just been, and then the holidays. So mm-hmm. we had like three months of like ultra crazy, like totally coconuts life. Yeah. 
Um, and now we're like, we're finally kind of back into a rhythm of like normal crazy life, you know? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, okay. everyone's super busy, but it's like, uh, yeah, it's like at a normal, normal pace crazy. now. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So, so now I'm hoping I can add a little bit more writing back in. Something that I've been doing a lot of is running. Yeah. I really, really love to run. It is both like physically helps me just feel fit and strong. Um, but also is a huge mental health thing for me. Mm -hmm. Like I can really tell when I'm not getting enough um, time in to run. I I just, it's, it's huge for my mental health. So I've been running like 10 to 15 miles a week. The last really kind of just since the new year. And um, that's that's just been bringing me a ton of joy. It's like Mm -hmm. so, so wonderful. Yeah. Just making it a true priority for the first time, honestly, like in my adult life that I've made it like a really true priority. So that's been really exciting. That's Um, wonderful. That really is. Thank you. So I'm seeing just that great contrast between what we talked about earlier when you were really struggling with depression to, to now, to you feeling like you're your own self again. And yeah, I, I don't know. I just love to see this side of you that is resilient and, and perse- you know, you have amazing perseverance, but a lot of joy, I think, is what you're trying to add to your life. And the um, and a lot of that is taking risks, it seems like, too. It's, that's been a big part of the equation. So I have two questions for you. One is related to what I just said. How do you maintain a balance of reaching for goals and improvement and perseverance? while also recognizing what you need in your life and recognizing what it's going to take to be kind to yourself and, and just live a realistic but happy life. Yeah, that's like a, a constant battle, right? Mm-hmm. Is that is, is kind of um, is a, reaching for that balance. And I think it's an almost daily process of, recentering and asking yourself, am I in balance and am I, am I focused on the right things? So I'm a really driven person. I have a ton of ambition. I have like all these like super interesting lofty goals for my life. And who knows if I'll ever like do any of them, (laughs) you know, I mean, I have like entertained thoughts of getting a master's degree. I have like super ridiculous dreams of like becoming an art curator and like living in the city and like oh, working so in a cool, museum. Though. I mean, <laughs> that's I love very unlikely it. that that would ever happen, but I have like a lot of dreams and interests. And, um, I, or like I said earlier, I would like absolutely die to do some kind of home design work or consulting or, you know, renovation design or something, you know, I yeah. would love to do things like that. I have tons of, tons of interest, tons of ambition. Um, and and in the blog world that I live in, a lot of my blogger friends are doing a ton. They're creating amazing content all the time. They're really um, just incredibly productive, um, almost like to a level that is prolific and kind of mind-boggling to me. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes I get a little bit caught up in oh my gosh, I need to be doing more, I need to be blogging more, I need to be creating more, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And to be honest, I just came to a place about a year ago where I had this like really clear realization that I just, I just have to let go of some of that right now. And I, and I think it's a very fine line because I will not be a martyr Mm -hmm. and I will not like sacrifice all of myself for my children because Personally, like my personal like ideology about that is I don't think that's healthy. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's healthy to like completely forsake all of your interests and personality. But I totally believe in sacrifice, if that makes sense. Yep. So I'm like, yes to sacrifice, no to sacrificing 100%, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So no, no so um, for losing me, yourself completely, becoming a victim. Totally. I think at least yes, to resentment. Exactly. Usually. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And so, um, but yeah, I kind of came to this place where I realized um, I am actually going to have a lot of years 
to develop my own interests, mm-hmm. like a lot. Mm-hmm. And and not that I've put them 100% on the back burner, not at all. I mean, I still actively do things that I enjoy. You know, mm-hmm. like I just said, I take a lot of time to run. I take time to create. I take time to write. I take time to go to blogging conferences. Mm-hmm. I mean, I totally make time for myself. Um, but I also have kind of a running list of dreams and goals that I'm like, maybe I'll get to that someday. And Mm -hmm. I'm totally fine with not getting to it in this season of life. And the reason is I really want to put everything into my kids that I can so that when I'm, when I'm looking back in a few years that go by in like the absolute blink of an eye that I can feel like, you know what I did, I gave my 100% at that time and season of my life and to my children when they needed me the most. And I, I don't regret, I don't have any regrets. You know, I just, mm-hmm. I worry so much that I'll about looking back and saying, oh, what was I doing wasting all that time? Yeah. I should have been, you know, and like, Today, for example, I was like tired today. It was such a Thursday where I was mm-hmm. just like kind of not motivated. And I kept catching myself just like aimlessly looking at Instagram when my kids were right next to me. And yeah. I'd be like, what am I doing? And I'd turn my phone off and be like, let's read a book. But I, I caught myself doing that five times today. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't want to look back and be like, oh, my gosh, what was I doing? Doing complete nonsense mm-hmm. when I could have been actively engaging with my kids. So I just feel like. For me, balance is all about daily, sometimes hourly or by the minute reflection of what am I doing right now? Is it going to be valuable? And am I going to have any regrets about it? I think that is so empowering. That's that's living life on the terms that are right for you and not right for everybody else who you think is watching. It's more about, yeah, what's Anne going to want in 10 years from now? And I love that. Yeah. Man. That's great. Thanks. So, so I have a final question for you. And this okay. is probably related to some of the things we talked about. But what have you learned about yourself the past 10 years? I've learned some really interesting things about myself, actually. Yeah. Okay. Um, number one, I have learned fairly recently that I am a really sensitive person. Yeah. <laughs> I am like really, really sensitive. I've, I've had my feelings hurt way more, um, in the last couple of years than I ever remember before. Mm. Um, and, and some of that probably ties into some of that depression and different things that I went through. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that that has helped me and the depression also helped me to be a really loving, um, understanding, empathetic person. So I am like so easily hurt that I try extra hard to like be really careful with my words with people or make mm-hmm. sure that they know how much I value them or or not don't judge them or anything like that. Yeah. Um, I feel like that time of being depressed um, just gave me so much empathy into people's lives who struggle with mental illness. Mm-hmm. And so I have just, I have had just this like hugely increased amount of compassion. Um, and so I think that all That's kind of beautiful. ties in there together with that sensitivity Um, I have also learned about myself in the last few years that I am pretty competitive, which shouldn't come as a surprise to me, but it kind of has, um, (laughs) and that kind of, that kind of ties into all that stuff we talked about, about comparison and different things Mm -hmm. like that. Um, so I'm really working on that because, um, I think, I mean, obviously I don't really mean, I mean, I was a competitive athlete as a teenager and I don't really mean competitive in that way you know I mean more in like the um competitive in life with other people or other Mm -hmm. women Mm -hmm. and um I I don't like that about myself because I don't think we should ever seek to be above another Mm -hmm. person right that's like kind of like the root of all pride so I've been as I've been reflective on that I've been trying a lot harder to just be not judgmental and not loving and not, and also not worry if I'm not measuring up to someone like that's okay. It's just totally okay. Um, and then I don't know, just even in thinking about your podcast and your blog and kind of your whole platform about like perfectionism, things like that. It's, it's so interesting because I, I have been kind of a perfectionist in, in various areas of my life. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, as we, as I think about the last 10 years as being a mother, 
I think that um, that's torn down my perfectionism quite a bit yeah. because you 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 get to a place where you're like I just can't do yeah. this like mm-hmm. um, for me it was like right around having kid number four mm-hmm. where I had these goals of being like I exercise every day I make every meal from scratch <laughs> with perfectly healthy whole foods yes I. You know, like my house mm-hmm. is always clean. I do hands-on activities with my kids after school. I like my kids have perfectly combed hair, perfect clothes, perfectly made beds. Like in my mm-hmm. mind, those are all the things that I wanted, right? Yeah. And <clears throat> and I could even like you can even sometimes achieve that with like maybe one to two like tiny kids that are if you have kids that like aren't super demanding or you know what I mean. Yeah. I think sometimes people can kind of begin to achieve that. And and then once I had, like, I had my kids, th- number three and four, really back-to-back and crazy close. And um, all of a sudden, it was, like, so beyond me to do mm-hmm. any of that. Like, yeah. and I was like, oh, yeah, we're going to McDonald's today, kids. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> like, certain things that I never thought I would let go of, I let go of, like, crazy. And honestly, like, that's been really, really freeing mm-hmm. because it has just, it's just taken that like competitive nature away. It's taken that, um, that like crazy perfectionism away that is almost unhealthy. And it has just made me feel like, you know what? Like your job is just to love your kids. It's your to Mm. love them and help them be successful and help them know that they're awesome just the way they are. And that's all like, if they have macaroni for lunch, they're going to survive. If they watch yeah. a couple too many episodes of My Little Pony, going to survive. Yes. Everything's going to be okay. And, like, granted, I don't think you should always be in survival mode. But at the same time, um, I just think, like, I don't know. I feel like that is one of the hugest things that I have kind of grown into over the last few years of really, really intense family life is um, just, like, being okay that things don't look picture perfect and being honest about it and like making sure that other people know that like, it's okay if they're doing the same thing. You know, Mm -hmm. I just think we, especially in this like super picture perfect Instagrammy world that we live in, it's really easy to be like, Oh gosh, everybody like grinds their own wheat and makes their own (laughs) bread and like sews their own clothes and (laughs) everything is all beautiful and simple living. And yeah. And, I'm just like, yeah, that's not really how our lives look anymore. And I'm okay with that. Mm -hmm. Really, really good for me to like kind of break the shackles of perfectionism and, um, and competitive, competitive maybe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, and I love how open you are about just acknowledging these weak spots that you, that you see in yourself like that. I, I think we all need to do that more, though. It's it's not in a way that you're hating yourself. That's what I love about it. It's not like you're awful, and why are you doing this? Why do you compare yourself? Why do you, it's just like an, an awareness that's right. helpful <clears throat> and healthy, and and that's how you're going to keep progressing because you see yourself as you are, but you also see your strengths, and you allow yourself to continue to reach for things in a positive way still, and I just love that about you. So. Thank you. you. Yeah. Well, thank you, Anne. Thank you so much for being on the show. And I can't wait for people to hear the great wisdom that you were sharing with me today. Gosh, thank you. It's like such an honor. I feel so cool to be on a podcast. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll do it again. And you made me feel all the feelings while we talked. Obviously, I laughed quite a bit, but I also learned so much from you, how you have faced the trials you and your family have gone through. Thank you for being on the show again. Those compression tights from Bioskin are seriously amazing. This is not sponsored. I bought those tights almost a year ago with my own money, so this is an unsolicited push to check them out. The coupon code that Anne has provided for our listeners is, in all caps, PROGRESS20. That's P-R-O-G-R-E-S-S-2-0. And that will give you 20% off their products. And beyond compression tights and shorts, they also do things like braces, such as an ankle braces. I have linked to Bioskin's website in the show notes, as well as on my blog about progress.com. 
I want to share our do something highlight today, which is short for do something that scares you. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's basically that you do something that challenges you. For instance, right now I'm working on recovering a settee that I really have no idea what I'm doing, but I'm trying. So um, I have more links to explanations in the show notes if you're interested to know what this campaign is about. Today's highlight comes from my friend and past guest on the show, Lisa Shader. Lisa tagged me in a post on Instagram as she was going for a long walk and she said she was listening to the podcast. Lisa is recovering from delivering her third child and I'm sure that's a huge adjustment. It was for me and so I just love to see that she is doing something for her, that she's getting out and getting in nature and getting rejuvenated so she's ready to face each day as a busy mom. So way to go, Lisa. I'd love to hear what you're doing that scares you and what you're up to while listening to this podcast. You can tag me in your post with the hashtag about progress podcast or send me a direct message through Instagram or Facebook. And I'm at about progress on both of those. So I want to highlight you guys. So let's make this about you nominate yourself or someone else. If you have a story to tell that is applicable to this podcast or just the, the thing that you are doing that scares you. Next week, I have a very fun interview for you with Sarah Tripp from Sassy Red Lipstick. If you aren't familiar with her, do a quick Google search and read some of her posts, especially on body positivity. She is a fashion blogger who has that focus, which is so rare, and she's a really fun and inspiring follow. She has so much of value to share with you all, and that will be airing next Wednesday, as always. I look forward to sharing that with you then, and in the meantime, take care of yourself. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.